Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Whoo, boy, oh boy, what a day. Uh, I know a lot of folks are kind of gearing up. In the event that we have a big snowstorm, are you guys doing anything to prepare? You got your salt, your shovels ready to go. We just actually changed our tires last week. We have never, ch- we've bought the car about eight years ago, and I believe this is the first time we changed our tires. I'm like, before it snows, because even though we generally know how to drive in the snow, it's always that first heavy snowfall where People kind of forget what they're doing, so we want to be safe tomorrow. Make sure you're planning ahead. I have my, my husband's out getting all the fixings for chili. We make chili every time we have a, a heavy snowfall, so I'll have my crock pot going tomorrow. Whew, I I don't know where to start today because there's so many stories over the weekend. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Elise Stefanik on uh, that interview saying that she couldn't say whether or not she would verify the election. She had to, she'd have to see. And that the January 6th, by the way, over 1,200 people charged. Many of them pled guilty. Many of them convicted and sentenced. And she's calling them hostages. That's it. Okay. It's just absurd. And the fact that the interviewer did not push back or correct her or challenge her at all uh, was really frustrating. And again, it does normalize this language. A headline that says that President Biden and Donald Trump uh, disagree about January. There's no disagreement. Uh, There is denial. There's a difference between disagreeing and refusing to accept the truth. Those are two significantly different things. And I have to say, if you have not had the chance to watch President Biden's speech today, which you're hearing some of the audio from during our news breaks, it was remarkable. It was important and it was impactful. And the entire speech talking about how we have to stand up to hatred, to white supremacy. And he also was heckled by a group of people who are calling for the end of the war, of of the violence in Gaza. And he stood there. That's the thing about being a statesman. You know, for everyone who wants to talk about he's too old, he's a lifetime politician. Yeah, he's a lifetime politician. He has been serving and he he I, I have not agreed with everything he has done in this moment and where we are heading. I am with Joe Biden. And he took a moment. He, he let them yell and then, you know, whether or not trying to decide what he would say. But the the room, everyone in the room started, got on their feet and said four more years. They started chanting four more years, drowned out the protesters. Right. Which is, again, I've been in a row. I was at the Pickwick Theater when Hillary Clinton was running for president and she had protesters. And and she and same thing where she said, hey. They're they're upset. They're passionate about something. This is maybe not appropriate. This is not the appropriate time, you know. And and those and they, people were standing by those two young people in the back of the theater, and and we were able to continue with her conversation. And today, when everybody in that church, you have to watch this because this is where President Biden has a lot of work to do to gain the trust and the support of the black community. Crucial, really, and and not not just. You know, in that moment of the church and saying the right things, but doing the right things is always 
where we have to hold our electeds accountable. And seeing that room, that church, everyone on their feet in a place where nine black people were killed in a place of worship because of sheer hatred. When he said that those bullets were not just propelled by gunpowder, but by the poison of hatred. So important. And as people were chanting four more years, four more years, he took a moment and he acknowledged that there is violence that has to be addressed, that he is working to bring peace. And contrast that, not just with all the, the, the rallies that Trump has had where he said, get that guy out of here, you know, bruise him along the way, inciting violence at rallies. You've seen it over and over again. But this weekend, what 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 was this? What what's this spastic slur of words about? First, it was magnets underwater, which how much fun is it to see people sharing the, the language of uh, magnets don't work underwater have to be corrected by the community notes on Twitter uh, as a uh, correction, a uh, little bit of diff- additional information. Uh, magnets do, in fact, work underwater. Something about John Deere. And uh, and then uh, I don't understand the, the 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 winds, the currents. They can they can detect them. They can predict if you go online, there's meme after meme after meme of this soup of words, just complete word salad. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. There's never I, I can see in some moments where we blow things up and take them a, a couple seconds out of something. But this is sentence after sentence after sentence without a point. And today we had our president talking about how we must put push back on hatred. And for folks who just can't hear that, who have no interest in making sure that we are doing the best by everyone. Every time, and I felt this way more so, I mean, I was young when Reagan was in office and and, uh, and George Bush Sr. When George W. Bush was in office, I did start having that feeling like, oh, this guy doesn't doesn't want to talk to Democrats. It's always dismissive and, and being, you know, just condescending. Um, and, and i I'm not a Republican, so I don't know if under Obama, if for those who could see past the color of his skin and the words he was saying, did feel like he was trying to talk to all Americans. But Trump Trump and and right-wing extremists, Christian nationalist fascists, have absolutely no interest in all of us trying to do better as Americans, as human beings. Uh, I got our friend Karina, who uh, is going to be joining us tomorrow, uh, you know, our, our friend with the wonderful bakery who was driven out of business because she supported everyone in her community messaged us today. And I got to get my information out because I'm going to tease. I want to talk about this a little bit, too. Governor Abbott continues to send busloads of human beings. No other descriptor necessary. Just human beings, families, men, women, children, infants, babies. To Chicago on buses, many of them ill-prepared for the weather, wearing flip-flops, T-shirts, no coats, no long sleeve shirts, no blankets, no bedding, and dropping them off in the suburbs. So our friend Karina just uh, messaged us today and wants folks to know, and there's a couple of organizations. I know if you go to the refugee Facebook pages in Chicago, there's a couple of places you can go to find out more information, how you can donate, how you can volunteer. If you want to, sometimes even just laundry cards. 
right? Gift cards so they can go and wash their clothes, uh, providing underwear, diapers, formula, cold medicine. Uh, so there are two places if you're interested. Uh, we will also post these later. But in Crystal Lake, uh, we, we're, we're asking folks, and our friend Karina is asking for folks to do everything we can to support this work as, uh, again, migrants are being dropped off in places like Crystal Lake, Aurora, Elmhurst. Uh, the Illinois Migrant Council is at 333 Commerce Drive, Suite 800 in Crystal Lake, and they do ask that you text. It's 815-995-0300. And if you, if you want that information, I can repeat that. First of all, it's 333 Commerce Drive, Suite 800 in Crystal Lake, and they want folks to text when you get there so they have someone that can meet you and, and, and uh, gather the items. The number is 815-995-0300. And if you are on social media, there again, there are groups that you can join so you can stay up to date on efforts to help make sure that people are not just welcome, like the, just the bare necessities of socks. You hear Stephanie Miller's sponsor, Boomba Socks. It really is one of the most important. Imagine getting here with flip-flops on when you've grown up accustomed to the coldest you maybe have ever seen, maybe 50, 40 degrees. And now you're just being dumped off by the governor of Texas because, you know what, we're, you can spare me the pro-life party or the pro-freedom party, anything but. people, Human beings are just pawns in their game of power. And that's it. I, I just am, there's a so on Facebook, it's a refugee community connection, and you can you can ask to join these groups. There's over thirteen thousand people in the Chicagoland area that not just this. I joined this group when um, folks from Afghanistan were coming here seeking someplace safe to live. So the refugee community connection on Facebook is one of the places you can look for resources and how you can volunteer and help out. Let's take a break here. Uh, coming up on the show, we have some great conversations. Uh, of course, we're going to be joined. I'm so excited. Uh, a former 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 federal prosecutor Michael Stern will be joining us at six o'clock, and then at six thirty we're going to have a medical professional. I, th- I think we should start doing like medical Monday. So we because we've talked about how important this year is. I want to make sure that we are doing everything possible to take care of ourselves because healthcare is also political. We, we already know that. So coming up today at uh, at 6.30, we're going to talk to uh, one of our friends in the community. Uh, let me make sure I've got the information right for the doctor that's going to be joining us today at 6.30. We are going to be joined by uh, GenCare Senior Medical Center's Daryl uh, Harold, Dr. Harold Ramming. So he'll be joining us at 6.30. Again, Michael Stern will be on the phone with us at 6 o'clock, and we look forward to those converse- conversations. The number to join and call, our, uh, and call in is 773-763-763. 9278. Again, that number is 773-763-9278. I'm going to open up the text screen. So if you want to text us, and that's just easier for you right now, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to text us at 773-763-9278. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are so thrilled that you're joining us at Driving It Home until 7 o'clock. And uh, behind the glass is Paul Javari. If you call in, he'll be answering the phone. Hey, Paul, uh, do you get ready for snowstorms? Do you have, or do you just like, it'll be what it'll be kind of a thing? Uh, I hide. I hide under a blanket for, <laughs> for days on end. But I'm, I'm also making chili as well. Do you do chili too? Coincidental. That has nothing to do with the storm. What's your base? Beef, turkey? What do you do? Beef, yeah. Beef, okay. I, I, you know what we should do? When are you back? On Friday? Yes. We should keep a bowl of our chili and exchange that on Friday. Okay. I do, I do right. a ground turkey chili. With a little Sounds bit good. of a, okay. a kind of a chocolate mole sort of a hint Sounds of good. it. Yeah. Excellent. Yay. Oh, now I'm excited. It's going to be chilly on Friday, too. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, snowing the whole week, but uh, the the forecasts keep changing. I don't know. Maybe that's what Trump was talking about. The air currents and the predictions, uh, absolute, absolute madness. And uh, I was also... Um, watching um, some of the coverage on the legal cases that are being brought being brought by women in states across the country uh, because they were uh, they were not able to have the health care that was necessary to protect themselves, their ability to have babies in the future. It was already in this country. Our maternal well-being, uh, that means meaning pregnant women, the outcomes were already way behind Countries that you would think that it, it, certainly we are doing better uh, in the world when it comes to the safety of pregnant women and their babies. And that is not the case. It was already dangerous before these extreme abortion bans. And now uh, women are finding that when they go to the, the hospital, if uh, we saw in Ohio, in Florida, we saw women who were told that their the fetus was not viable or was already that the heartbeat had already stopped, that there was, it was already stillborn. Just, they're basically women who are walking mausoleums and they've been told to go home. One woman in Ohio was told, she went to the emergency room three times and they said, we cannot perform a procedure to terminate this pregnancy because of the laws. Our hospital lawyers have said, there's nothing we can do because of the state of Ohio's laws. And when she went home and there, I think it's like a third of women, a third of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Many of us, when we go to the bathroom and we realize, oh, this is more than this is this is it. Either you didn't even know you were pregnant and you pass all the the tissue and the cells, and it's I don't want I don't want to get into the, how sad, how heartbreaking it is. Because I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to be begging people to give us our privacy and our dignity when we have are pregnant, whether it was planned or not. Many women who have planned families and wanted to have children are heartbroken when they find that their their pregnancy has has ended naturally. It just happens. Um, and and she was charged with abuse of a corpse because when she went home, it came out in the toilet unconscionable is the only it's all insane let's go to uh let's see uh jim is in chicago calling in happy monday jim how are you doing today my friend hey Pete, how are you uh, hey, hey, tell you a story at the program on friday night for an hour and how the these perilous journeys of these women uh, one had to go to new york 
he had uh, 11 hours, you know, we had an hour, got off the plane, he just had an hour before he, he would have got septic. I mean, we just, just one, one horrible story at the next where, you know, you got to go to, you know, a thousand dollars, I mean, a thousand miles in either direction to get uh, medical attention. And they had tribunals that, believe it or not, I don't know if it's a set of politicians and, and, uh, uh, whoever these idiots making these decisions, almost like uh, like the Spanish Inquisition. Okay, you live or die, and then you a couple OBGYNs were busting out crying. I mean, they were crying that they had to leave the state that they were in. You know, they they they, they a right. series of uh, you know uh, you know uh, uh, women OBGYNs. I'm sure that the women appreciate that if they can get a good one, and and, and they got a blow town. You know. Well, and and here's the thing is. I've had procedures even before I was pregnant. I had to have uh, I had uh, precancerous cells in my cervix, and I had to have them frozen off. And it, it, like I had to have someone pick me up. It took me days to recover. I was in pain. I was nauseous. Imagine going through this, and you can't even be surrounded by your family, by what's familiar. Uh, even if it's just it, just the basic. Again, this is part of the dignity part of this. Is we should be able, like we should, like any other procedure. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, not only that, but what if you're what if you're a single mother or you're yes. supporting a couple of yep. children? Yep. And you've got uh, you've got a, a job, or, or you could be on the uh, you could be on your way out at the job if you got you know, one more absentee, and you run into this insanity. Yes, there's a nobody cares then. Nobody nope. cares then, Patty. Nope. Nobody cares then when you when you're in the unemployment lane when you're nope. walking down the street. Uh, well, that's the other part of this. You know, Terry Cosgrove, our good friend from Personal Pack, talks about how abortion is also a, a, an economy. I mean, it's part of a personal economic decision because, you know, there, there's there are interviews. Look, for people who are like, oh, you know, you wouldn't have this beautiful baby. We wouldn't have known. Like someone said, what if your mother aborted you? I, I, I wouldn't have known. You you wouldn't have a loudmouth comedian on the air. That's all. That's and you wouldn't even know that was in here. What difference does it make? Patty, what's so weird about this is for fifty years, his name was passed in nineteen seventy three. This God is my witness. I I was at Catholic College then, and and nobody even mentioned it. My best friend I went to the track with for twenty five years, a Catholic priest. He never even mentioned abortion. They never even thought about it. No. Yeah, they never even thought about it. That was a private decision with a woman. And if the woman, you know, just like a Catholic, if they if they think they committed sin, they go to confession, they confess it, and that's it. Right. You don't. You don't. But you don't do it in front of the whole world. You, you don't have a tribunal. When I go to the confession, I don't have six people sitting outside wondering, "Whoa, well, should we should we forgive Jim or not?" Anyway, what I call for. We had a blissful ending to the bear season. Thank God that's over. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Thank I, God I, that's over. Yeah, I look forward to congratulating Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area. On, yeah, 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 good for him. Because I'm glad they lost the game because if they would have won, I really would have flipped my lid. Because I really didn't listen to radio until about, uh, about 2020, you know, the pandemic, and then I never listened to radio. But now I flip through the channels, and you hear these sports. They, the, the game is so overanalyzed. Football has become so overanalyzed that I can't believe it. I know. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I know they're betting on uh, the kids are betting on, uh, you know, if the guy gets 50 yards or somebody gets 60 yards. If the, we used to bet, we were. We were bet. We just bet on a coin flip. You know, we had a hundred bucks left. Just you know, heads or tails. Who cares? But I mean, they made it. They've overanalyzed the game. The game has become 
just yeah, it's absurd. I, I don't know what to say. I can't, I it, can't it's watch crazy. it. <laughs> I hope, but I hope, I hope that the kids are just as involved with this. 2024 elections as they are with football. That's my wish. Yes, I, the, I, I. We're gonna have we're gonna have our friend Brennan Hennigan on uh, again on Wednesday. We'll be joined by guest co-host Todd Belcor from Social Change. And and I feel I don't want to I, I don't want to feel like we're all jumping on Brendan, who's our, our young gen. Now I feel like our kind of our Gen Z correspondent. No, no, no. Who, I know. I know what yeah. you mean. I know what you mean, Perry. Because that that could be uh, that could be ganging up on somebody. Right. And you know we're not here, but Perry, the truth of the matter is even Socrates. I remember I had a, a professor. Now, once when you're old and you really have any knowledge, you realize how little you really know. Yes. I mean, you really, yeah. I mean, you really you start to realize, how, I don't really know that much about life. I don't know that much about uh, anything, you know. What? So, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't uh, I agree with you. I, there's no sense of jumping on somebody just because they're, just because they're young and they, that's their approach. Right. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Patty. Thanks. Have a good show. Thank you. You too. Have a great night, Jim. Appreciate it. And we've got Dave from Hoffman Estates. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind, my friend? Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday, Patty. Hey, um, uh, now, if uh, Trump was still in office here, we could have him take that Sharpie and uh, move that potential storm out of the <laughs> out of the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember, was it, there were people that wanted to shoot. He, what he wanted in a nuke, a hurricane. Yeah. Do you remember this? And then people were, like, yeah. outside shooting into the storm. Oh. I, yeah, just, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, madness. I just got to thinking about that, and uh, but I, I was telling Paul that I uh, I was reading it. I think it was in Yahoo News. I I don't remember what publication it came from in it, but uh, that some of these religious groups claim God put Trump here to save us, or words yes. to that oh, effect. Oh, Dave. No, have you seen? Yeah, there's I, there's a whole video. It's very cultish, you know. The God, and it has like you know, it starts with like the planet, you know, not that God created the planet, but that He created <laughs> Trump to, oh, oh yeah, to be powerful, to save humanity. And oh, it is. And mind you, I grew I grew up in the the Mormon Church until the age of ten, and we had similar like, especially with the president of the Church of Latter Day Saints, who's considered to be the prophet between you know God and us, and. We would have all the like the and it was a lot for us. It was a lot of cartoons, but there were you know similar kinds of messaging uh, that I, it just it just it's such an ick. It, I, I I don't I, I feel so bad for people who are falling for this. I really do. I, I vacillate yeah. between anger and pity. I guess is the best way to do it, and just outrage too. Yes, that's yeah. kind of the same as anger. Who but was that? just go. Who was that? John Smith or something like that? Just, Joseph. Joseph, okay. Yep. Anyway. Joseph Smith. The, um, yep. Okay, yeah, I knew we would start something with us. And Brigham Young, yep. With Smith, anyway. <laughs> and, um, I do seem to recall that in the Ten Commandments, they claim that to the effect that you'll, that God said, you'll not worship or have any other God before right. me. And all these good Republicans, you know, uh, religious people, somehow they're kind of violating that one. And, and if you recall at that uh, CPAC that time back in 2021, where that one person right. made that golden bust of Trump. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Kind of like the modern-day golden calf. Yep. But the funny thing I read about that one, that uh, golden bust was made in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, um, the, the last one, before you can get to others, was... Uh, was uh, kind of like 
shame on NBC, MSNBC for dropping Mehdi Hassan's show. You know, I guess well, yeah, like he's, his hard-hitting style. Yes, he was. Uh, he's, he's he announced was it today? Just this morning that he he is leaving altogether. Uh, they canceled his show, and he was kind of I think floating as a fill-in host. Correct. Yeah. Well, he yeah, yeah he wasn't going to go for that. He's just starting something all on his own now. He said he's just gonna. He's not gonna do anything with them. He's gonna do something. Right. Start something new. Just do something new. new he's start he's a his great. Life or something. I like his interview style. I, I really do. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah I did. He kind of. You know, he reminded me a lot of like uh, Dick K. He was hard hitting. Yeah. He didn't, you know, throw softballs. Nope. And he did it, like you say, excellent interviews. You know. And that's and that's one of the things like you know I've thought about having conservatives on and I used to do this at, at my at the previous station because WGN has a you know moderately conservative uh, demographic so I I tried very hard to make sure that we were as balanced as possible at least having those opinions but the more like I remember one night I was talking to a state representative who was a hard far you know far right MAGA was at the inauguration you know took took credit for helping Trump win in Illinois and I asked him one night I said what do you say to people who are scared tonight. He's like, oh, they're being ridiculous. And that was the last time I had him on the show because I will not platform that kind of attitude towards people. I just won't. Yeah. You know, the thing that gets me too, like with, I think we've, you've talked about it before with someone else, even at the, at that MSNBC, you got a lot of these former Republicans, you know? Yeah. And I, to this day, I still blame Morning Joe for Trump, he's oh, yeah. giving Trump that free pass every sure. morning. Him and uh, him and Mika, well, they had him on. And then you know, hosts like Jimmy Fallon, like yeah. you know, rubbing his head is you know, come on, give me a break. Yeah, again, and normalizing a sociopath as a as a leader. Yeah, my my only thought is you know after you know at after Trump, whatever, if he ever does leave, it, he needs to get in. Would these uh, so called Reformed Republicans go back to whoever. I don't know. I I, I I like to ask that to your friend, the the artist that comes through. Uh, You mean Scott? Yep. Would he go back? You're asking if he would go back to the Republican Party if if they were able to go back to the. And I don't know because it is interesting. I can have a reasonable conversation with scott we and you look we both go to our default of like are you out of your mind you're being you know we do that once in a while we try to be as respectful Mm -hmm. as possible but you know i i don't know i'll I'll, we'll have to ask him i'll I'll have him on soon i'm sure but just out of out of curiosity i mean once you get somebody that's not so nutty and radical you know something like these others that left for msnbc and not these like reagan republican types or right and you and you get somebody like that again would they go back to the party? Well, you know? I mean, I guess. I mean, like Liz Cheney is standing there waiting for them. You know, what's his name from Illinois? Kinzinger. Both standing there by yeah. themselves, hoping that the people will come back. I, I mean, you know, shame on the Democrats on that one, too, though. I mean, we're sitting there poaching whatever we can off of them. I mean, that's kind of hypocritical in some ways. What do you mean? Poaching you know? Kinzinger? You know, and- one, you know, when he's he or they are talking bad right now. Yeah, it's okay. We like them, you know. And then, oh yeah, no, I they go back to their own beliefs, and you know, no. well, yeah, I, I agree with that. You, I you agree. Know? I agree with that completely. I'm not. I'm not a fan, and I and I again, same thing. Like I, I've thought about having Scott fill in for me, but I'm like, I don't think that that's. I don't know if that's. Yeah, I don't think that would be healthy for me. But I, yeah, I've often thought about that though, with the uh, you know, 
you get somebody that's back that's you know goes back about forty years in the thinking, right? And would they crawl back and that? Like one that I do like on CNN that used to be again was uh, Smirconish, but he seems to be that balanced. He don't, you know, he claimed he had been Republican at one time, but uh, on his show, you know, he gets ripped on both sides. One says you're carrying water for Trump, and then another comes and says you're carrying water for Biden. Right. So, to me, that's fair and balanced. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> anyway, let me get off so somebody else can well, get on. I'm going to go to the break. <laughs> and folks, you can okay. join us. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a great evening. You too. Be well. Thanks. You too. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We want to thank our sponsors, Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org. You know, we always uh, step up at the holidays uh, for backpacks when school starts. Let's keep that energy going all year long to help children reach their potential. Go to kidsaboveall.org. Support their mission to help children lead happy, healthy, safe lives. Uh, many of them have survived trauma and they could use our help. That's kidsaboveall.org. Visit European U.S. Dot com to find out more about European U.S. Collision Center, a division of Technocraft. Our friend Warren Price, who uh, always uh, is willing to share his insight and expertise on everything automotive related. And uh, if you get no offended, like tomorrow, you you might need this number. First of all, go to europeanus.com, europeanus.com, because uh, you don't want to be stuck without the information because he can tow you. He can uh, tell you where to go. If, he, if you can't get to him, he'll give you information on uh, the best way to manage the situation. If you do get into an accident, make sure that you are safe and that it is safe to exit your vehicle. Don't put yourself in more danger. Uh, make sure that you get the information that you need from the other driver. And then you can call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200. Keep that number in your car and say, Warren, Patty says I should call you. Something bad happened. Uh, we also want to thank, of course, Kirk Bankstead from Monaco Brewing Company. Go to his Facebook page, Monaco Brewing Company, and uh, find out about some of the great uh, T-shirts you can purchase, baseball hats, and, of course, great beer, wine, and non-alcoholic options like his Woke Coffee, which I, man, just a little bit of cream. Ah, it's so good over ice. So go to Monaco Brewing Company and uh, support the work that he's doing. He'll be joining us on Friday, on Thursday at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're excited to catch up with, uh, he is also in the middle of a legal battle to get Trump off the ballot in Wisconsin. So that'll be coming up. Our conversation with him will be on Thursday. You can go to monacobrewingcompany.com to find out more about his great selection of beer, wine, non-alcoholic coffee like Woke and uh, T-shirts, all the great stuff. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technocraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. 
don't know if you guys watched the Golden Globes last night, but uh, one story that uh, jumped up out at me. I didn't. I did not watch. Although I was very excited for Lily Gladstone, who won uh, for Moonflower. I can't remember the name of the movie. Did you watch any of it, Paul? Did you watch the Golden Globes or catch any of the coverage? I didn't, but I heard a uh, rough night for the uh, comedian. The host. Yeah, I know Joe Coy. I, don't, I haven't seen Joe in a, lo- a long, long time. And it was, it was, you know, look, at any moment in your career as a stand-up comic, you can have a bad night. I can't freaking imagine having a night like that. And I I think he had a few things that, that people were laughing at. Uh, you know, the pacing was odd. I, you know, you could tell, like, he, he was trying to rely on some of his uh, go-to, you know, what he does in a, in a theater, maybe in a, you know, back on a comedy club of trying to wing it a little bit, go off script. But when you blame the writers, I have a real big problem with that. I have a really big problem with that. Um I think it's disingenuous and unprofessional, uh, and I was really disappointed by that part of it. Uh, I think that that for me as a comic, that's a part that I saw, and also, uh, so there there are little things um, that I've learned. Have you met Dwayne Kennedy? He, we've had him on the show. He, yes, he's yeah, in the United he's very Shades funny. of Yeah, he's very incredibly funny. And about 14 years ago, because I was struggling to write new material, I'm an autobiographical comic, and and I felt like I need to expand. I'd like to be a little bit like Dwayne. Dwayne can dig into a topic, whether it's the Bible or slavery, you know, war, and and that's kind of what I always aspired to. It's just not my skill set. It's here it is, you know, having these conversations, but making light of it has just never been my. I, I just I don't for whatever reason I hit a wall, and I was hoping to get some help from him. And he goes, he goes, you don't need a writer. He goes, you need more confidence. He said in your material. He goes. If you say something, stand behind it. And he said, I, I apologize. I didn't even realize I was doing it. I would apologize for a bit. You know, and he'd be like, you know, you keep saying I'm sorry. And I and I was told this in Los Angeles, too, because it's, it's still a habit that will pop up once in a while. Uh, or I'll say I, I'm just kidding. Right. And okay, well, of course yeah. I am. I'm on stage. But it diminishes the power of the material. And Joe Coy did that repeatedly last night. I'm kidding. It's just, you know, what's wrong with you? Don't you get it? Or, you know, I, it was so many of the like the little things that you try to lose those have those ticks that you try to get rid of. And I just saw them all pop up. And I, I'm sure it was the adrenaline, the nervousness. He kept telling us he only had 10 days. Well, then don't take the freaking gig. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I, was I'm, this the first year CBS did it or had they been doing it? Because I remember Ricky Gervais and NBC having this for a while. Right. And Ricky would just verbally set oh. fire to the whole the yeah. whole industry. Well, exactly. Right. And and the other the, the other thing there is that previously the hosts have always been people that the industry knows and respects on some level, right? Tina Fey with Amy Poehler, Chris Rock. I don't know if Wanda Sykes has, Wanda would be great. I don't know if she has, maybe she has. Um, But people who they, and and with that comes the trust of where the comic is taking you. And he never had the audience's trust. This is why, you know, hosts like Billy Crystal, Johnny Carson, these are all great hosts because one, they probably know the people in the room. Johnny Carson would interview them. You know, the the great hosts are the ones that they can do the tongue-in-cheek and make fun of and, and, and nudge a little bit. And, and things have changed, but, you know, making boob jokes and, uh, and and talking, making fun of De Niro for getting someone pregnant and at 80, which, you know, again, a different host, maybe they trust him. Uh, but man, they were having none of what he was selling last night. I mean, they, they laughed for a little bit and then it just got awkward. Yeah, I, I think, again, you have to be at least uh, on their level. It was so funny because I was watching a clip of uh, Kirsten Dunst. You know, you'll scroll through on Reels or TikTok. I don't do TikTok as much, but on Reels, these little short clips are on YouTube. And I saw this this sort of um, the moment 
I can't, I think it was the Academy Awards and Kirsten Dunst was nominated and Amy Schumer. It's also the kind of thing where you have to, I would think it would be respectful to let the people know that you're going to do a bit with them. Hey, we're just kidding. But Kirsten Dunst did not know that Amy Schumer was going to tell her to get up because, hey, you seat holder, uh, maybe you want to go to the bathroom so I can talk to, um, who, what's her husband's name? Jesse Plemons. Yes. Yeah. And, and he goes, you know, you know, that's my wife. Like they were not in on the joke. Let, let them in on the joke. Then they can have fun. You know what I mean? Do you think she knew that they were married or do you think that that was just she a was bit that like she, she wasn't know. in on? Yeah. No, she was playing like she had absolutely no idea who the woman in the red dress was. Right. And, and Christian Dunst was up for the Academy Award that year for The Power of the Dog yeah, as well. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't remember it being controversial when Robin Williams or Billy Crystal or any of those. Like the worst hosting I think I saw was, uh, and I, I like Anne Hathaway, but with James Franco. That yeah, was, that was that was a weird year. That was he looked just high the whole. T- I mean, which well, would not yeah, be surprising. He, he always does. Yeah. yeah, I'm always impressed with people who can do so. I've, I have never once in my entire career performed high at all. Now, I I don't leave the house wherever I am. If I'm going to take an edible or take a hit of something, I am done for the. That's it. That's my last location. I'm sleeping in the chair. You know, wherever I am, that's it. My whatever. Uh, and I have many friends who perform high. All the time. Maybe that's why I can't write more. Or maybe that's why I'm afraid to, like, I hit that wall of self-consciousness because I... Do you try to write high? No. I'm so sleepy. I don't write high or drunk. I think a lot of people always think that they're going to be inspired yes. by, you know, THC. And then they, when they get down to it, they just fall asleep and snack. And, and there are people who have, like, tea, you know, like pot journals, right? So that specifically yeah. to write in when they're high. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I should give it a shot. I don't know. You should, but you might find out that something was hilarious <laughs> when you wrote it, and then you're going to be like, all right, yeah. uh, stoned Patty needs to explain this to me. <laughs> exactly. I also, it's like when you were in college or whatever, when you pulled an all-nighter, and you, you like, there's a point where you, like, there's, you have, you're worried, and, you, and you, you've got all this adrenaline, and all of a sudden you think you're brilliant with whatever you're writing. I, I work better under pressure. I work, exactly. Yes, that. Five in the morning with a double shot of espresso, uh, you know, with no sleep for days. Yeah. I'm I wanted brilliant. to circle back to controversial or hosts yes. that didn't really do well on their first time. Uh-huh. Do you recall David Letterman doing the Oscars, oh, the Uma, Oprah, Oprah? Uma, Uma, Oprah. Also not. Yeah, that was not enjoyable. I, 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 Which I, is sad because he's normally pretty entertaining. Sure. But again, but it's also that, but again, I think that that's a good point because the difference between Letterman and Carson with their styles of like Craig Ferguson, I would imagine would be fantastic yes. at hosting any of these charming. He makes other people look good like that's You know, Johnny Carson would tease his guests, but he also worked to make them look good. There was always an element of awkwardness with David Letterman. You know, there was always like that. You never knew it was going to happen. Right. I mean, going all the way back now, I am older and there was a I watched Crispin Glover live. The dad from. Oh, gosh, I've seen oh, that interview. I was watching that live. I was like, because I love I was in love with Michael J. Fox. I had seen Back to the Future dozens of times by that point. And Crispin Glover is wearing these like, he's so weird, these striped pants. I, I've, I, I've only seen it once or twice since that. That was in the 80s, yeah. right? And he like does this high kick at at Letterman. Like, it was just like, so there was always that element. And I think they, they had hoped they would bring that to the Academy Awards. You know, because like, again, Drew Barrymore standing at his desk, you know, flashing him. Yeah. There was always that element of like edginess that wasn't like letter. I mean, Carson in his time might have been edgy, but there was also it was just comfortable. 
But I don't think stupid human tricks would have worked at, you know, <laughs> such was, a refined event like the Oscars. Right. Well, it was, you know, Chris Rock was also, I thought, was awkward. I did not, I was not a fan of, I think that Chris, again, as a club, as a, as a theater comic, great, right? But uh, <laughs> off the cuff, I just, I can't. I can't with him. He made fun of um, uh, Kazan, the uh, director who had, they, you know, they alleged had named names during the yeah. McCarthy hearings. And, and he won like a Cecil B. DeMille Lifetime Achievement exactly. or something like that. Yeah. And Chris Rock called him a stool pigeon. Oh, wow. <laughs> a snitch or something like that. It was On so his big awkward. night, too. Yeah, right? and then he also did the same thing where he was making fun of Jude Law, the same way Letterman made fun of Oprah and Uma's name. I think it was Jude Law, and he was make, like just making fun of the name. Like, what kind of name is that? Like, how is this Academy Award material? Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and how was the, you know, the controversial incident with G.I. Jane, too? How was that? Oh. You know, like he's re- referencing a movie barely anyone watched 20 years ago. See, so for me, like I am I'm not a huge Chris Rock fan, but I enjoy watching him sometimes. Like it's it's, you know, like Fargo season four with him. I think he's fantastic in that. He's done material that I've enjoyed. And then he's done things that I just it. He, so years ago when Howie Mandel had his own talk show, uh, Elizabeth Pena was, was Elizabeth Pena or Maria Master. There was an, a Latina on the, like, you know, the guest before him was a Latina. Selena had just been murdered, had just been murdered in, like in the weeks or so before. And, um, I have to look, it wasn't Elizabeth Payne yet. It was another Maria Conchita Alonso. It was Maria Conchita Alonso. And he said, he, on, as he was coming, he goes, who do we have to kill to make you famous? Oh my goodness. And I, I was like, done. I can't, I can't. And so that's, that's the off the cuff. That wasn't like in a writer's room. Same. And I believe the GI Jane reference, he thought he was going to be clever. Yeah. And Ooh. it's, it's such a so small stupid. reference. It was, it, it, I mean, look, there's no getting over that. Will Smith lost his ever love in mind. Mm hmm. I mean, and then, and then you learn more about they weren't even together. <laughs> we don't need they, to unravel that ball of oh yarn today. He just, he's embarrassed. So that's masculine toxicity, right? Toxic masculinity. Yep. We t- yeah, yep. that would, ta-da. Let's take a break. We'll continue our conversation. 773-763-9278 to join our conversation. You can call or text to that number. Ooh, I got to check in with our friends on our Facebook live stream. Hi, everybody. Let's take a break here. We'll be back in a moment after this. January 6th, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who are these people? I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Fever of theory, she leans to the right. She never gets weary of being gullible and white. She's my QAnon girl. And like members of any cult, these folks seem willing to follow the directions of their leaders, no matter how irrational or insane or stupid they may be. She likes crazy leaders. She likes worshiping. She learned from a young age to believe anything. She's my QAnon girl. She voted for Trump twice, she bows at his feet. He promised her he'd kill the liberal elite for my QAnon girl. 
Steve Goody with QAnon Girl. And Steve Goody, me, and uh, Brad Tassel will be doing the virtual comedy show coming up at 9 o'clock every week. We are online. It's a free comedy show. We just, uh, at one point, we will beg for money. So we call it. We actually have a, a whole song for it that Steve Goody wrote. And I will be doing a patty melt. And uh, let's see. I don't know what the patty it, Basically, I kind of, I, I do it here, too. I rant about something. I'm sure it's going to be the water thing. The magnet, the magnets in the air and the dome. I don't know what Trump was talking about. Roosevelt is calling from Chicago. What's on your mind, my friend, Roosevelt? Eddie, thank, Eddie, thank, you, thank you for taking my call, my friend. Absolutely. What's going on? Hey, listen, man. Have a happy new year again. I don't know. Yeah, happy new, happy new year again. I think we got the rest of this week, right? That's about. I'm still writing. I am still writing 23. My husband had to to get out the, the liquid paper and fix a document that I was supposed to sign today. I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, listen. First, I wanted to say you mentioned about Trump saying that God sent them or something. Was that a commercial? It, it, a some, commercial? I mean, not a commercial. Um, Nad for him for his reelection? Yeah, I don't know. It was. It was. Hold on. Let me see if I can. I'll. I'll. Uh, I, I saw parts of it. I don't then, know if I should play it. I don't want to play put, it because it's so gross. Uh, yeah, it looks like someone made a video. And then, and, yeah. in, the, in the video, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, in the video, he put that short clip where he pushes all those uh, leaders over there when he went yes, to Europe. It's in the, that video. Uh, yeah, when he shoved them out of the way, they were walking up to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, 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 they put that in there. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's the one. Oh, God. Yep. It's, it's so gross. Incredibly gross. It never fails. The... Uh, Republicans always need all their tricks on uh, religious people. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I it, it's it's unfortunate, right? Because people are looking for community. They're looking for tradition. They're looking to connect with people, and and it make I don't know if it just makes them vulnerable because they they want their lives to have meaning. They want, but they they take that and they manipulate them to say these people. The reason you're not doing well, or that everyone around you doesn't look like you anymore, is it's their fault, right? The, it's it's um, the black people's fault. It's women's fault. It's it's just sad. Did they fall for it? Yeah. And, and um, back to the election for a bit. Uh-huh. I just can't understand how two candidates, I don't care what party you're on, you're in, you're, you're in, um, that Nikki Haley and DeSantis to say that they're going to pardon Trump, then what's the point of having a constitution? What's the point of having laws? Yes. What's the point of having elections? Just put somebody in there for... You know, and last but not least, LaPierre, National Rifle Association. Uh, is there anybody that Trump is associ- has been associated with that's not criminal? I mean, come that's on. A good question. They're either rapists, criminals, uh, murderers, like those leaders that he thinks of the uh, uh, Leader of China and the leader of North Korea. That they, 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 they remember he fell in love with the letter that they sent. I don't know which which one was which. Forget about Putin because Putin, he's all in on Putin. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, no doubt about it. He's. Uh, and you know what makes me mad lately, uh, Eddie? I just can't. This came to mind. Fox News keeps on reporting that Clinton knew uh, um, the guy uh, Epstein. Was it Epstein? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the tra- child trafficking, yes. The yeah, they mention Clinton constantly, but they don't mention Trump. 
funny how that is, you know? And that creepy video that came out, oh, my God. Well, and there's, uh, but, but instance, there's, no there's instance after instance of him talking about, you know, being able to go into the, the, the girls changing rooms during the pageants, you know, for the teenage pageants and, you know, all the conversations about his daughter that he would do her, uh, you know, when she's sitting on his lap and laying in bed with it. I mean, like there's a lot. There's just, it, it's a lot. It's gross. And, 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 and to, you know, to your point there and to add to that, that's very reminiscent of, uh, how he met uh, Melania, because according, there's this guy, he used to have parties, I can't think of his name, he's got an Italian name, and he used to bring all these models from different parts of the world and throw parties and invite rich old men. That's how I, from what I understand, that's how he met Melania, and they fast-tracked that uh, genius visa for her. Yep. But here's the thing, if she's a genius, then why did she copy Michelle's... uh, Speech. Speech. Mm-hmm. Word for word, Patty. Did you see that split screen? Oh, I remember that see, in real time. Yep, I remember when they were oh, at no, the no, convention. But I, had, I, I hadn't seen the split screen. There's a split screen where uh, Michelle's on the right side of the screen, Lania's on the left side, and he copied word for If you're going to copy something, at least change something so it doesn't look obvious. Word for word. you gotta look. You got to see that. It's unbelievable, you know? Yeah, uh, word for word, she copied that speech. You know, that's what these people are. They they just take and take and take and, and and steal from other people, or or they don't. Well, with Trump, he doesn't pay people for for their jobs that they do. Right? Oh no, a, people have to take him to court over and over again because he he's a con artist. He's a grifter. He doesn't pay people for their work. He doesn't. He thinks that they're suckers for having even even done it at all. Right? Like a veteran. Suckers. It's gross. Hi, Patty. Uh, there was something else. Want... Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, maybe you. Is it me or is it him? I think it's you. Oh, did we oh, lose him? I can hear you. What? Uh oh. What's the matter? I think you're cutting out. Can you hear me? You're cutting out a little bit. Oh. Go ahead. There was something else. Nothing wrong. I'm, at, I'm in the same place. I'm not even walking or anything. I don't know. Uh, you wanted to call, talk to talk about Marie Conchita Alonso. Oh, we're late. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Real quick. That girl is a nut. Oh, she's she a really? great actress. Okay. She is a nut. She's a head case. Oh, I, I think she's from Venezuela. She's Cuban. Uh, so, huh? She's Cuban. I don't think so. I, 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 just, looked, I, just, looked it up. I just looked it up. Yeah, is, is she? Is she? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting there confused with my, maybe Sofia Vergara. Yeah, she's a Cuban she's actress. Yes, hey. she's Cuban. I believe it. She I made run. a great movie. Right. I'm so sorry. sorry. Right. I, I have to go to the break. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about it. Bye-bye. I'll try to find the clip. Have a I'll great night, bye-bye. Roosevelt. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to check in with Michael Stern, former federal prosecutor. Oh, you need his phone number. I get that up, Paul. It doesn't help if you don't know how to call him or have a number. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases. The folks refusing to wear masks says. And politicians getting caught grabbing ass. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for hanging out with us as we drive it home. 
And I want to welcome our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. I, uh, I'm looking forward to going back to Minneapolis, St. Paul. I know that our friend Michael Stern has been traveling, and we're so thrilled to have him join us today. Michael Stern is a former federal, former federal prosecutor and a columnist. You've, I'm sure you've read his work, and he's great to follow on Twitter, so I highly recommend it. Michael J. Stern 1. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? Hey, Patty, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing... Some some Mondays, I'm like, it's too much today. There's too... It's too many things. (laughs) It all sort of builds up over the weekend and it explodes it on Monday. At least in our minds, doesn't it? It does. Well, but I was... I don't know if you saw President Biden speak today at the church in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine people were killed in 2015 and talking about pushing back on white supremacy. And you compare that with the gibberish that came out of Iowa from Trump. Trump and I'm like, I, I can't, well, how is this even? How how is this even a choice? How are we here? Uh, I, I I don't know. And and just for people who might not have seen it, Trump essentially said that with respect to school shootings, people need to just get over it. We yeah. need to get over it. Yeah. And and Biden did exactly what he should do and said, get over it. No, we need to stop it. Yes. Stop it. And there is no getting over the loss of a child, of of anyone you love. But in particular, we can't. I mean, my my sons, especially Griffin, was about the same age, maybe two years older than the kids at Sandy Hook. You know, as we were coming home from the mall from seeing Santa Claus. Like, I can't even imagine what those parents continue to go through every single day. They are not over it. No, they will never be over it. And America will never be over it. We will continue to have these horrific type of mass shootings in schools and other public places until we have some type of reasonable gun control. And, and you know, listen, I, I, even as a Democrat for years, I have understood that there is a Second Amendment and the Second Amendment exists in the way the Supreme Court has defined it. And so, you know, we need to obviously comply with the Supreme Court's definition of the Second Amendment. But there's still a lot of flexibility, including assault rifle uh, bans that could exist that could make us all much, much safer. And Republicans have been the roadblock to that for decades. Yeah. And and we see now with the NRA's guy, LaPierre, stepping down because he was just bathing himself in wealth from all these people who fell for the NRA's grift. It's just crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just people who fell for it. It's It's, you know, members of Congress who who basically feed at the trough of the yep. NRA. I mean, that is that is why they block things, you know, reasonable measures like banning assault rifle weapons, uh, you know, because the NRA donates so much money. They're enormous GOP donors and and money talks, unfortunately. And, you know, all of the thoughts and prayers from Republicans after another mass school mm. shooting are not going to change anything until they actually change the law and make it more difficult to get things like AK-47s. Yeah, I, I was, uh, po- you know, the, sometimes I'll get a little bit of back and forth with uh, with conservatives online about, you know, the, you can't, you can't, you know, try and take my gun or all these things. It's like, <laughs> relax. You know, this pistol that you're showing me a picture of, it's not even what we're talking about. I'm, I'm not thrilled by it. I, I have fired weapons in my life. Uh, and I, I think it is way too easy. Uh, you know, we have so many guns. What is it like three guns per person or something? And that's most of us. It's like a very small percentage of the population that even owns a gun, which means they have a lot of guns, Michael. That's all I'm saying. They got a lot of guns. They have a lot of guns. And the thing is that, you know, 
I, I wrote a column about this years ago. I think it was for the Hill. But it basically says we have to accept things as they are. We have to accept the law as it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Democrats need to stop railing on about, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, what they perceive is the definition of a militia and, you know, how they would like to define the Second Amendment. You know, we don't have a choice. The Second Amendment exists and the Supreme Court has defined it in the way that they have defined it. So we need to accept that. And as Democrats, we need to work within that definition. And there's a lot that can be done to make us all safer within the definition of what the Supreme Court has said the Second Amendment protects. But again, that's not going to happen when you have the NRA doing huge, donating huge amounts of money to GOP politicians and then and then having the Republican politicians protect them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to your point about, you know, we have to live with what the Supreme Court decides. There's a lot of things on the, the coming up that the Supreme Court will decide that we are going to have to live with no matter what. And I think I can't decide which one to talk about first, whether it's, you know, close your eyes and spin the roulette wheel. And any of them are going to be pretty bad, given the construction of the Supreme Court, the six to three conservative majority. But go ahead, Patty, spin. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, let's let's start with uh, the ballots. Right. With uh, Colorado. Now, other states are in, in, you know, I think Maine and Colorado and Illinois, Michigan, other other groups are are also in the, the works of trying to get him off the ballot there. And this is, from my understanding, it's Colorado's language of their state constitution that triggers the move to eliminate him, ban him from the ballot, because you don't have to be convicted of participating in in an insurrection or whatever the language is. Uh, Do you see any path for the Supreme? I I just can't imagine they're going to say that that stands for Colorado to keep him off the ballot. Well, the, the, there's a clause in the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution that says that anyone who participates, who is an office holder, who holds public office, who participates or provides aid and comfort to an, erection, an insurrection, you know, is not to be elected to office again. Now, it doesn't specifically say that they can't be on the ballot. So, you know, there's a whole wide range of discussion about what exactly that means, what the remedy is, is someone not allowed on the ballot, is someone allowed on the ballot and simply not allowed to take office, um, and huh. what exactly is an insurrection as defined under the 14th Amendment, you know, the, the Article 3. And so there's a whole different, um, you know, gamut of things that the Supreme Court could do. They could make a decision that, no, insurrection is not defined by what Donald Trump did, and consequently, he must be allowed on the ballot. They could say every state needs to make their own decision as to whether or not the definition of insurrection has been met by Donald Trump's actions. Um, you know, it, they could make a fact-finding decision themselves and say, yes, uh, the definition of insurrection has been met. But, you know, I don't think we're going to know until it comes out. But again, it, you know, everything that we're going to talk about tonight probably comes back to the fact that there is a six to three conservative majority of the Supreme Court. Donald Trump appointed personally approximately not approximately exactly thirty three point three percent of the court. And, uh, you know, the fear is that they're going to be loyal to him. Even Trump's attorney at one point said, (laughs) you know, we went to bat for Justice Kavanaugh. There was a lot of effort uh, to not allow him on the court. 
during the Senate confirmation process, we went to bat for him. Uh, essentially, she said, you know, we expect a quid pro quo that he'll step up and, and decide in our favor. I mean, it's just it's the type of thing that, you know, sends shivers down the spine to anyone who understands and, and has a hope for American democracy. Because if putting someone on the Supreme Court, like Trump did a third of the court, guarantees you their vote, um, we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh my God, Michael, it's so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not good. It's it's not good. Uh, yeah. So it's one is the on the ballot. The other is the immunity. Right. Complete immunity as if as a president you can break any law, which I believe was Nixon's argument as well. If I recall the one of the movies correctly, that's <laughs> my basis for. Yeah. Now, now, let me say this on that issue. Trump is claiming Trump and his attorneys are claiming that. Pretty much anything he does, they they don't say anything he does, but they they say that there's an outer perimeter and pretty much anything he does while he's president, even in the the most limited um, perspective that has something to do with his presidency should be. You know, he should be immune from being prosecuted for that or he should be immune from being held accountable for that. Now, on that issue, I I don't think the Supreme Court is going to go with him. I don't know how the split is going to come down, Mm. but my guess is that the Supreme Court, even this very conservative Supreme Court where Trump has basically appointed a third of the justices, I don't even think that they are going to be willing to say that a president is immune for any action that he commits. Um, you know, while he's in the presidency. I mean, that would mean that Joe Biden could essentially, uh, you know, order the hit of Donald Trump and not be held accountable. That could mean that Joe Biden could decide that he doesn't like the election results if he doesn't win and prevent Trump from taking power if Trump wins. I mean, I, I, I don't see any world in which our Supreme Court could say that a president can do whatever he wants while in office, no matter the crime, and not be held accountable for it. Gosh, I hope so. But I, 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 Gosh, I, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the fact that I have to even say that is, you know, is indicative of where we are. Um, because I, I, like you said, what's her name? One of his lawyers said that Kavanaugh, you know, he appointed a candidate of Kavanaugh. He fought for him. Uh, he's got to step up for Trump. And you're like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But that's what were the times that we live in. But it, it is actually how it works in his mind and yes. it's how it works in, in the pragmatic world where a lot of the Trump, a lot of the Trump justices or, or judges in the lower courts, the courts of appeals and the district courts have have sided with Trump in ways that are, are shocking, I think. And I don't think they would have done it had Trump not given them their job. I mean, Eileen Cannon, who's handling the case, mm. she's the judge in Florida, yeah. has sided with him on such crazy issues. And she's been reversed by the, you know, by the higher courts, um, you know, not just reversed, but basically slapped down in the course of, of being reversed. And I don't think that that would happen had she not been given her job by Trump. I mean, there is this sort of strange loyalty that Trump uh, generates. And, and you see it not just in the crazy red hat wearing, screaming MAGA supporters who vote for him, but you're seeing a lot of it in the judges that he appointed and who he gave life tenures to. Um, they are paying him back. I just don't think, I can't believe, I can't believe that we are discussing this in this day and age, that it is a potential um, possibility, that it's an argument 
that a former president is making that he can do anything he wants in office uh, if it's remotely connected to the presidency and get away with it, even if it's a crime. I mean, but here we are. Here, here we are. Here we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, the, there will always be people who want uh, Clarence Thomas to recuse himself because of his wife's participation and uh, enthusiasm. I would say is a good way to put it for the January six riots, uh, but that's never going to happen. Well, it's not just. It's not just that we want it. It's that it should happen in any other context. It would happen, except for the fact that it's the Supreme Court and it's Clarence Thomas. I mean, his wife was the participant in in getting people loaded up onto buses and transported to the Capitol where the insurrection took place. I mean, you know, if if Clarence Thomas decides that there isn't immunity for that and any other case that he decides related to the January 6th charges or issues, I mean, he would essentially be deciding in many ways against his wife. And and that type of personal stake and investment is not something that any judge, let alone a Supreme Court justice, Ugh. should have. I mean, it just reeks of impropriety and conflict of interest. It, it just it stinks of that to the point where I'm I'm sort of astonished that Thomas isn't recusing him. No, I take that back. <laughs> and I'm not astonished at anything he does, but no. it's wrong. And it's bad. It is. It is. It's well, and it's horrific. Uh, it's all bad and horrific yeah. and wrong and all those things. I, I have so many questions. Do you, do you? Can you hang on for a break and we'll come back and continue our conversation? Sure. Are you sure? Cause, cause I, yeah, positive. Oh, excellent. We are hanging out with Michael J. Stern. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Michael J. That's right, right? Michael J. Stern one on Twitter. And I'm still calling it that. Yep. Excellent. Follow him. Stay up to date on his thoughts uh, on all things going on in the news, especially when it comes to legal issues. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are joined by Michael J. Stern. He's a former federal prosecutor. Uh, he's also a writer. You can find his work and in many publications, including USA Today, and what are all the like Huntington, the Huntington Post? What other places can we find your work, Michael? Oh, okay. USA Today, Huffington Post, Boston Globe, yes, New York Daily News, uh, Chicago Tribune, The Hill, Slate. Uh, I sort of made the rounds a bit, yes. although most of my work has been with uh, USA Today because I particularly love the editor that I had there who was there for a couple of years. Oh, nice. And we, we're fans of, uh, of Rex Hupke, who also writes for USA Today. So that's find Michael's work because uh, we want to talk about that in a moment as well. Uh, you, you you mentioned something about, you know, when we, we have to live with the decision of the Supreme Court, clearly. And we right now are hearing from women uh, in various states where there are extreme abortion bans, including Idaho, uh, Texas, who are, are bringing legal cases that are making their way through the court system and eventually will uh, go to the Supreme Court. I believe that they uh, did decide that the uh, very extreme abortion ban in Idaho will stand. Uh, I, I This is one where I, I'm I'm scared for what is going to continue to happen across the country, and I think it, it's really this is where the election is of just crucial importance, don't you think? 
Yeah, I think it is absolutely pivotal. It just makes me want to cry that we appear to be back in the 1960s and early 1970s before Roe when women don't have control over their own body. And with respect to the Idaho case, I don't know that it will stand, but at least it will stand for the moment. What's going to happen is the Supreme Court has said that they'll hear arguments on it. I believe the arguments are going to take place in April. But again, given the conservative majority, um, it doesn't look especially promising. It's the same court who decided, uh, you know, in 2022 that women don't have a right to bodily autonomy and reversed, uh, you know, decades of precedent when they got rid of Roe. Yeah. And, and Roe was essentially a, basically a right to privacy. that It wasn't anyone's business as to why a woman was having a procedure or what it was. Correct. Kind of the short Correct. way of putting it. And in the arguments, because I, I have a... <laughs> I have a, a sophomore in college who over last summer was uh, listening to the oral arguments, which I didn't even know we could do. Um, and it was it was appalling to hear how this was handled and, and some of the things. I don't know if you've if you've listened to them ever. Have you had that chance? I, I don't because yeah. they used to make me I, I used <laughs> to listen occasionally to Ninth Circuit. You can listen to, you know, like I practice in the Ninth Circuit, you can listen to Ninth Circuit arguments. But when the, you know, when the judges or the justices, in this case, on the Supreme Court, are so um, cited one way, it just makes me furious to yes. listen to them. Because, I, I you know, I end up talking back to the arguments and I'm like, they can't hear you, Michael. They're not going <laughs> to respond to you, <laughs> You're not doing yourself any good. Well, what was what was one thing that jumped out at me, which I've never heard before, and I heard this argument from one of the justices, which was, and this was this was a Texas case, folks, uh, as well, and, and they talked about the rights of the fetus and talking about the unborn and things like that. And at one point, they talked about someone who is born disabled, who will never, you know, be able to have uh, much of a future. Uh, doesn't a, an unborn fetus that will have more potential? have more basically have more rights than an intellectually disabled or physically challenged individual. And I was, I almost drove off the road cause we were listening to it in the car um, yeah. and posited that kind of a thing. Um, I just, so, I, the, but the argument, the arguments back and forth were whether or not what the, what were the rights of the fetus? And we do, they're, they're, they're so, they're so full of it. Michael is all, I'm sorry. I'm starting to scream because they don't really believe that they don't believe in life. If they did, they wouldn't want people to be freezing in Chicago in tents on the ground, you know, coming here from Texas, not even knowing where they're, they, they don't care about life. No, 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 they don't, they don't care about the quality of life. I mean, you know, they care about birth. It's, it's yes. pivotal to them that, you know, that a fetus allow to develop and, you know, be born. And, and at that point, they just don't give a damn, um, you know, because there's horrible poverty. There are all sorts of rights that they've taken away, um, you know, for, for that actually affect the daily life of people who are born and living and understand what's been taken away from them. You know, the big thing that's going on that, that really is sort of shocking to me in, in the Idaho case is that it essentially says that there is, you know, the law now essentially is that a woman basically has to be on death's door, you know, before before she would be entitled in Idaho to get an abortion, which which bans abortions. And the problem with that is that there is no exact calculated formula as to how much blood a woman has to lose or how high her blood pressure has to go before she dies or how much of a strain on her heart has to take place. And so what's happening is the doctors are scared mm. to perform life-saving abortions 
um, because they don't know, you know, whether or not it will, in retrospect, you know, uh, Saturday morning quarterbacking later will be looked at whether or not, you know, she was actually close enough to death's door in order to legally get the abortion. And they don't want to be held criminally responsible for violating the law. And so, you know, it's an impossibility. It, it places women at risk of, of dying and not only of dying, you know, but also of having, um, you know, permanent disabilities that affect whether or not they can have children in the future. It's just a horrific set of circumstances. And so, I mean, on your show, I know the people who are listening are probably going to do the right thing, but women, I do not understand how women can vote for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Women and men who, you know, love and support women need to get out to the polls when voting takes place. Everyone needs to vote in order to ensure that this doesn't get worse. And ideally, at some point, to get women the right to control their own bodies back. It is such a, an, an important part of our, our ability to care for ourselves and others. And I just uh, I, I, I don't I don't know how as you mentioned, any, anyone, much less women, can vote against uh, that right. Um, and, and I do want to talk about this, uh, taking care of ourselves and others. You have been uh, going through uh, a very personal story that you shared, and I'm grateful for that. Do, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about what you want them to know in regards to their own care uh, and the information that's out there? Uh, because I, I have a friend who, who did um, not catch this early enough. So let folks know um, about your partner. So I have a partner of 13 years who I love dearly, and he got a colonoscopy recently, his first, in his middle 50s, and he has colon cancer. And um, I had been bugging him for years to get a colonoscopy since he turned 50. And he, you know, it sort of wasn't the standard, it isn't the standard in the UK, which is where he's from, in in. in England. And um, so he didn't get a colonoscopy. Uh, You know, I'm fairly fortunate. He's fairly fortunate that it appears that they caught it quickly. But he, about two weeks ago, underwent a a really complicated, long surgery. And, you know, they took out half of his large intestine um, and sewed it back together or stapled it back together. It's all sort of amazing to me how they do that and then put it back in. But I mean, it's a big deal. And the thing is that I don't think, you know, that people think much about getting a colonoscopy. It used to be that everyone in the United States, when they turned 50, uh, was being recommended by medical associations to get a colonoscopy. Because there are so many people who are young, young people getting colon cancer, now the standard has been reduced to 45. If you're 45 or older, you should get a colonoscopy. And, and here's the thing. It's, it's the only cancer that I can think of that you can prevent by getting some type of a procedure. So when, when doctors do a colonoscopy, if they see a polyp, which many of us have in our, in our intestines, in our colon, they can clip the polyp. And it's the polyps that typically turn into cancer. So they can clip it and get rid of it very easily before it even becomes cancer. So there is a real incentive when you think about it to get a colonoscopy and, and to protect yourself. I mean, in general, we should be doing things to make ourselves healthier. And so I'm hoping that this story reaches one person um, or a lot more, obviously, but that, you know, 
people go and get a colonoscopy because it is life changing if you you know if you get if you if you clip the polyp and avoid the cancer to begin with. I'm so grateful for that. I I did uh, my well very good friend Christine Bloomer was 42, and it was uh, too far advanced. <laughs> she uh, she fought for a while and uh, ultimately we lost her and, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing this I know that we you're right we get casual about it we don't think about it maybe it pops up if we're we have a family history uh, the guidelines yeah. I, and I'm grateful that you're telling us that the guidelines have changed but it, you know even she was 42 so and she did have a family history of it but she didn't know that until later because she was adopted so that's another important element but uh, I'm so glad that he was able to do that I'm so sorry that you're going through this um, but you're really doing a tremendous amount of good by, by sharing your story with us. So thank you for that. Thanks. You know, time just sort of passes. I mean, I had a colonoscopy when I was younger and after my partner got colon cancer and just a couple weeks ago, I was able to get in and get a colonoscopy again and and everything's fine. But it was 12 years. It Mm. was like I blinked and that 12 years, you know, disappeared. So don't wait. You know, it may, it's a life and death decision and um, it's something that can be prevented really easily the colonoscopy. Thank you, Michael. I look forward to talking to you. We're, we're scheduling at least once a month, but uh, if something pops up and you want to call in or, or you don't mind me bothering you, uh, we, we'll reach out in between. But uh, second Mondays, I believe we landed on. Yes, this is the second yeah. Monday of the year yeah. uh, because uh, we need you. We need your level-headedness, your insight, your expertise. And again, everyone follow Michael on Twitter, Michael J. Stern one. Uh, you will not be disappointed because uh, he does great work and you can f- keep up to date on his columns as well. Uh, are you, uh, well, we'll, we'll catch up some point. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just grateful for your time. Thank you, sir. I, I feel petty. Like tonight, I feel like, you know, I don't know if people are old enough to remember that there used to be, um, you know, like on, on a sitcom, they would ha- they would deal with a weighty topic at one point on the sitcom and you would hear the advertisement, you know, join us tonight at 9 p.m. for <laughs> very a very special, special blo- <laughs> a very special blossom. Yes. You know, <laughs> for those of you who remember the blossom show, you know, like yeah. it was always something Blossom was bullied or, you know, a friend of Blossom's died. But, you know, tonight I think I feel like it was join us. You joined us for a very special Patty Vasquez show. Well, it's and it was very important and impactful. I know that you've helped people. So thank you for that, Michael. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. And Happy New Year. I didn't say that yet, but we're not. it's not too late. <laughs> back at you. Thanks, Patty. Take care. Bye-bye. Let's uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk. We actually, we, I feel like it is Medical Monday because we are going to talk about uh, some, some talk about your flu shots, your COVID shots, upper respiratory infections. And we'll talk about some myths that are out there. Uh, we're going to talk to Do- Dr. Harold Ramming when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. I'm the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer, like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. My friend Marty, he wants to split the party. He wants blue folks and red states to vote green. I can see his point, though. I really gotta say, no, we can't have another 2016. It seems nothing beats orange. Nothing even freaking rhymes with it. What's a battered nation supposed to do? His royal orange highness, he does love to divide us. We gotta stick together and vote blue. When I recycle, I'm green, green 
as green can be. I do my level best, yes, it's true. But when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. Think I'm a hater, I love Ralph Nader. I don't blame them for the mess in Y2K. With those who represent us, I'm playing the percentages, voting blue down the ticket all the way. When I recycle, I'm I do green, feel like we're having green, a medical Monday. Joining us on the phone is Dr. Harold Ramming. He's a primary care physician at GenCare Senior Medical Center. My apologies, I was running a little bit over on our last segment, Dr. Ramming. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Patty. How about yourself? I'm I'm okay. I have a lot of people around me who have colds. Or uh, oh no, I know uh, my my boss at work at my other job, and then my son, my mom, my husband's not feeling great. So there's a lot of there's a lot of upper respiratory infections going on, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. It typically happens around this season, honestly. Yes. Uh, so there are, uh, can I tell you, I left the house this morning uh, and somebody at work, for whatever reason, they thought my hair looked cute and they touched it and they were like, oh, your hair is still wet. And my mother would have killed me if she'd known that I'd walked out of the house with my hair still wet. Can you catch a cold? Because I've always wanted to know this. Can you catch a cold if your hair is still wet when you go outside? Uh, no. I mean, Patty, I think that's a myth. Really, you can't technically catch a cold. Now, you know, I mean, there may be some little bit of anecdotal evidence stating that, like, if your pores are open, that makes you more susceptible okay. to infection. So, like, when you're taking, you know, that hot shower, your pores are opening your face and your hair. But, you know, that in itself does not actually cause disease. You would have to have, uh, you know, flu or a virus or something hanging around in your hair and just waiting for it to get open up from uh, from being wet and then get an infection, but actually getting scalp infections or viruses is not really a thing. Okay, I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm gonna keep this recording for my mother. <laughs> and look, <laughs> our loved ones mean well, right? They, it's especially our moms. Uh, so uh, you know, like it was. It's the going outside with the, my hair wet to my mom. But a lot of people are hesitant to get shots, uh, and they think that they're getting a small dose of something, which means they'll like if they're getting a flu shot, they think they're going to get the flu. That you might not feel great. Some people can be sensitive, right? But that's not. You're not actually getting the flu are you right 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 patty you're actually not getting the flu you're actually getting some some proteins that are very similar to the flu and that's kind of the purpose of a vaccine you want to have a scapegoat you want to have a a primary line of defense so when the real thing comes you know you'll be prepared so that's what your immune system does you know it, it tricks your body into thinking that you have the flu and you may even actually develop you know, symptoms, but that's actually not the flu. That's just your body priming you and just in case you get the flu. So it's, it's kind of like an alarm system. You know, you know, you want to have that alarm ready to go, but if someone breaks in, it'll, it'll alert. But the first time you might not be ready for it, but the second time you'll definitely be ready for it. And that's what your immune system does with a vaccine. Well, and that's, that's kind of the maddening thing too, because uh, I, I don't, I want to make sure people know in regards to the same way we get the flu shot every year because they try to anticipate and go by, you know, existing information right. to create that batch of, of, you know, what's already 
seems to be the tr- like the most prominent virus. The same mm-hmm. thing is true now with COVID sh- with COVID shots, and only twenty percent of Illinoisans have gotten their flu shot, their COVID shots. Uh, fortunately, people over sixty five have at least fifty percent have, but that's still kind of a low number considering what we're dealing with. Uh, what do you say to folks who are hesitant to get those shots? Um, I really, really, really would advise anybody, even of all ages, to get the COVID-19 and and the flu vaccines. And the reason why is that there's something that's called herd immunity. So herd immunity is basically when you have about 70% of the population um, vaccinated, it really makes it very hard to transmit that disease to somebody else who has been vaccinated. And with, you know, with those low rates in the 20s, you will not develop a community or a herd immunity. So the the disease will continue to spread. It will continue to spread. We all saw that, especially in myself working in the hospital um, when COVID first came out and then the vaccine came out and how those numbers drastically uh, went down. And that's because we got the percentage around, you know, 60, 70 percent and the vaccine was able to to actually do its job. But once that virus mutates and develops a new new bunch of friends, then we have to develop another uh, mechanism of protection with vaccines. And as the vaccine, and as the virus changes, the vaccine has to change. And I think probably a lot of people have kind of just uh, grown accustomed to, okay, this is just something, a new way of life. But people are still dying. There's upticks every every. I'm getting people in my clinic every, every day with COVID. Mm. So you have to... Pr- you have to protect. You have to protect yourself and you have to protect your friends and your loved ones as well because everyone's immune system isn't as as protective as yours. A lot of people are very vulnerable. So if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your grandmother. Exactly. Do it for your, your aunt. Right. For those who are, are vulnerable, yeah. those who perhaps can't get the, the shots, uh, again, it's, you know, we, we are. this is one of those things where we are stronger together. And there is an uptick right now. We are having a surge. They say it's it, it's possibly the, the largest surge since the Omicron one. If folks remember, uh, it was actually uh, the surge that took my friend Tom's life. Uh, and I, uh-huh. I, I want people to be uh prepared and to be preventative, proactive, uh, because it, it's not that it's because it's cold out that we're getting, we're seeing more RSV and flu and COVID, is it? It's, it's, there's something else that, that creates this. It's a, we have to be all inside together, isn't it? Right, right, right. It's multifactorial, Patty. And, and I just want to kind of put this in perspective as well. Um, you know, the, the cold weather in itself does not cause disease. However, cold weather actually slows down your mucous membranes, which don't allow your body to clear that stuff out. Mm. So when you're normally during the summertime, there's there's viruses and there's bacteria all floating in and out, but you're able to be outside for one, which doesn't allow more effectiveness of that virus. When you're inside, you have a closed environment, that virus spreads, that bacteria spreads around. And then also during those winter months, you have a slower uh, response with mucous membranes because everything's dry, everything is kind of a little slowed down, and you can't clear it, clear it as much. So you'll see that uptick of viruses and bacterial infections and, and things of that nature in the wintertime. If you remember back in you know 2019 going into 2020, when did all that surge happen? That surge happened around November, December, January, February, March. Those are cold winter months around the world 
you, your immune system is not going to react because you don't have that same mechanism in the winter as you do in the summer. And people are inside. And then on top of that, you have Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. People are doing a lot more events inside because it's cold outside. And that allows more, um, more opportunity for infectious yeah, it's uh, we really need folks to be vigilant about the things that can keep you healthy and safe. And, and that's why we're, we're, we're kind of dealing with some of the myths that folks have. And uh, I do love that in the, uh, the some of the questions that uh, our, our friend uh, John gave me, uh, there's this, yeah. the comment that it is uh, common in the Hispanic community uh, that keeping warm will prevent illness. And that my mom, like I mentioned, is from Mexico and uh, always is and she but I will say she's cold all the time. As we age, is it harder yeah. for our bodies to stay warm? It is. It takes it takes way more energy. Um, metabolism slow down, and it takes way more energy to warm the body. Mm. But you know, staying warm in itself is really actually just more of a comfort thing. Um, but it doesn't. It's not as protective. But it makes you feel good. You and sometimes feeling good is is. is, is yeah. It's all that you need sometimes. Yeah. And then uh, she always uh, makes a big batch of caldo if I'm not feeling well. Uh, I have, my mom will make uh-huh. a, my chicken soup from scratch. Uh, so that's, you know, people think that that's a cure. And, and there are restaurants that sell like, f- you know, flu soups or stews and things like that. Are there, is there a soup that's a cure for the cold? Not that I know of, Patty, that there's an actual soup. If you find out, please let me know because we, we're going to be in business. That's right. But, you know, soup in itself is not a curative. I mean, it has to have some type of uh, antimicrobial or, you know, antibacterial type of properties inside that soup. And, and typically those types of soups aren't, aren't, don't have those properties that keep down infection. But it makes you feel good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely makes you feel good. I like being toasty warm. Uh, I, so what are some of the things for folks who are interested in, in uh, Gen Care Senior Medical Center, uh, before we, we give people some tips for staying healthy this winter, uh, what can, what, uh, how can folks uh, find out more about the medical practice and how they might make an appointment? Oh, yeah. So um, if you want to find out more about Gen Care, and, and Gen Care is a, is a wonderful place. It's, it's kind of like concierge medicine. Um, you have your doctor's phone number. There's car, there's a podiatrist, X-ray labs, cardiologists, kidney doctors, all of them under one center, and all the doctors talk to each other because communication seems to be a a big problem in the healthcare system. Um, but if yeah. you want to know more, um, you can go to uh, GenCare. That's J E N C A R E four F O R Chicago dot com. And for those who need a phone number, you can use 773-918-4700. That's 773-918-4700. And you can actually sign up at that website, and somebody uh, from one of the local centers will be able to get in contact with you, and that way you can kind of get signed up with us. So that way we can keep you happy, healthy, and at home. Patty. Yes. And and to that, what are some of the things you tell your patients to stay healthy in the winter? Uh, a couple of things I tell them to stay healthy in the winter is you have to practice good, healthy hygiene. You have to wash your hands. You have to, if you know, it may not be a mass mandate, but it would be good, you know, good advice 
to stay, you know, protect yourself and wear a mask when you're indoors. Um, wash those hands. Get your flu shot. Get your, your COVID-19. If RSV is available to you for your age group, get those vaccines. If just one more thing, Patty, before we go. I just want to put this also in perspective um, and w- about catastrophic events that have hit the world. In World War One. There are roughly about, you know, you know uh, 5 million, 6 million, 9, if not 10 million people that soldiers that were killed. In World War II, there's about 15 million. But in the pandemic, a flu pandemic back in 1918 and 1919, mm. there were almost 30 to 40 million people killed in one year. Mm. In one year. Now we've gotten that number down to the mere thousands. It's not even a it's not even the top ten cause of death anymore because of vaccines. That's how you protect yourself. That's how you protect your loved one. Outstanding, outstanding advice, doctor. Again, that's ChedMed, C H E N M E D dot com, and find out where uh, how you can get more uh, more on top of your health, your well being, because uh, we want we we got a long year ahead of us, folks. We got to stay healthy. <laughs> Thanks so much, doc. Ooh. Yeah, have have a wonderful a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you again soon. You as well, Patty. Thanks for having me on. They, absolutely. Thank you for your expertise and your advice and insight. And have a great, great night. Let's take a break here, and we're going to check in with my friend Brad Lee Tassel, my uh, fellow comedian. We have a show tonight at night. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And as we drive it home, we want you to join us even more. There's more show coming up tonight at 9 o'clock, virtual comedy show, and one of the producers, promoters, and performers of that's Brad Lee Tassel joins us. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Hi. How's it going? But I want to start with something, for Patty. I disagree with that doctor you just had on. I, I'll tell you right now, I tell you, I, a friend of mine said that his cousin's brother's aunt got one of them vaccines, and the next day her husband left him for the nanny. So uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe none of that. You're not buying it? Not buying it at all? <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Oh man, it is. Uh, I can't believe we're so far into this. And you know, I don't know if you if you know what your state's rate of vaccination is. Ours is only twenty percent for the COVID shots. It's not a booster anymore. It's a yearly shot, just like the flu shot. And uh, we were having an uptick here. I, the doctor just said he has a patient every single day with COVID. Do you think folks in Kentucky are getting vaccinated? The folks in Kentucky uh, ain't getting nothing. They ain't getting nothing. They, uh, they, hey, we lucked out. We voted for Bashir only out of sheer terror. So that's, uh, no, ain't nobody getting, where, you know who gets vaccinated here is just them college liberals. That's it. And there ain't about nine of those. So, no. Oh, boy. Uh, so you and I have known each other uh, in our careers since the 90s. And, oh. and and I don't know that, I mean, you know, when we, when we critique another comedian, like a comedian who's uh, very prominent, Prominent, or we have anything to say about it, people are going to jump on us like we're jealous. But I will say, mm-hmm. I can't believe that Joe Coy was like throwing the writers under the bus. He was he was using stuff that you know it was it was just clear that this this wasn't his best moment. How's that? Well, I'm here's what I say about that. He would have been fine if he just let the jokes die yes. and kind of was sheepish. Because as you know, most of my jokes die. You'll hear it tonight, <laughs> uh, and. And I always take it upon myself that it's the thing that I did, right? It was yes. my yes. fault. Oh, you know what I mean? I mean, you. I blame I blame myself and that, you know, I enjoyed paint chips as a kid. You know, it just... <laughs> 
But yeah, to attack the crowd <laughs> yeah. is never the way to go. No. Never the way to go. Especially when you're like Bruce Springsteen. Hey, did stick? You didn't know nothing, Bruce. You know, yeah. it's just it was weird. That was a big mistake. And he's a good guy, and he's a good comic. But again, we don't know. We've been in situations that are kind of a little big, but this is the biggest, scariest thing he's ever done. And I don't know how I would react either. Swap, sweat. I would fall apart. So you don't really know what was going on in his head. Well, somebody posted today uh, last, you know, last week, Cat uh, Williams giveth and this week, Co- Joe Coy taketh. Cat uh, Williams went on a podcast and just crapped all over a bunch of comics. And I believe you, you stepped up to, to defend, not just defend, but to share a really sweet story about Steve Harvey. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, and again, Cat Williams hilarious. These guys are all hilarious. I have no dog in this fight. I love every one of them because I'm literally nobody and they're all famous people. (laughs) Now, I think when people do what like Kat did, it's not only, I think he's, his feelings are hurt. You know what I mean? And, and you, instead of, you know, asking for fate, you lash out. So I think he lashed out and I don't think he was totally wrong about everything he said. But as far as Steve Harvey goes, back in 87, when I was the light and sound guy at Crackers Comedy Club, he came in to feature feature the club and he picked me out of all the other comics he came to the open mic picked me out and said come here i want to give you five phone numbers of bookers and because back then if you remember unlike now your little black book you didn't tell anybody who booked anything until you thought they were ready to work because you know it would hurt you if they called somebody and they sucked yes so he said i'm going to give you these five i'm going to call all of them and because you're the only comic in this town ready. Aww. And then, uh, and, I, and he got me all, and he told me, he goes, you know, I'll tell you right now, I don't go on the road for less than $600 a week. <laughs> so <laughs> I offered him that last week. He didn't take it. I know. So. I, I wish I could do that too. I'm like, I, I was thinking about that after I saw your video. I was like, I need to start having a, a baseline. But the good news is I can go down to my basement and do virtual comedy show and hang <laughs> yes. out with you wonderful folks. We've done over, how many shows have we done? on Virtual Comedy oh, Show. Oh, we're getting up 185, 186. Amazing. And I'm about to write my fourth joke. So that's uh, going to be uh, fantastic. So. I, yeah, I'm probably going to talk about how magnets don't work underwater or some or something like that. Oh, I, my God. What was that about? <laughs> I don't know. What level of idiocy? By the way, Obama got his fifth Emmy recently, and uh, Trump said, I'm going to get Emmys in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. His Emmys will be in two weeks, so oh my gosh. Uh, So the virtual comedy show is tonight, 9 p.m. Central. Tim Cavanaugh is going to be there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's taking over the whole show. We're giving him the headline spot, the music spot, the whole thing, because he is the most brilliant guy. Makes it easier for me then. For, I, I will be melting uh, somewhere around nine fifteen, nine twenty or so. Virtualcomedyshow.com. It's a free show. At some point we do, you know, just sort of nudge. Brad will beg for money. And we've got music yeah. to go with that too. Brad, I, I really, I know I, I, I sometimes it's, it's been a little tough uh, and I, I haven't perhaps been there as I, as I would have liked to have been. So thank you for your patience and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this because it's always fun. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, <laughs> by the way, the show's on Zoom, everybody. If you yes. wonder what's going on, you go to virtualcomedyshow.com, you click join the show, and then you're in the live audience. You can also watch, it'll stream on Comedian Brad Tassel live on uh, Facebook, and as of tomorrow, it'll be on YouTube. 
outstanding. I'll see you in a yeah. couple hours. I, I think I'll have dinner right. ready by then, so you won't see me cooking. Yes, <laughs> we're having pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have a great Gluten night. Gluten-free. I'll, I'll see you guys in a few minutes, at, uh, but two hours, everybody. Virtualcomedyshow.com. I'll see you soon, too, Brad. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep, bye. Let's, uh, thank you, everybody. Mike Kreutz up next with Devil's Advocates. Thank you so much, Paul. So I'll much, see you Paul. again later this week. And uh, good night, everybody.